0: will set you free. Headline edition, July 8, 1947. The Army Air Force has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army.
1: we with to be an airplane.
0: I think it's time to open the books and the question of government investigations of UFOs. Uh, We ought to do it really because it's right. We ought to do it because the American people, quite frankly, can handle the truth. And we ought to do it because it's the law. Be skeptical. Do Be as skeptical as you want, but by all, don't close your mind. Greetings to everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas, where we uncover the truth one guest at a time. For those of you who dare to seek, Veritas is the place where you shall find. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time, make yourself at home. I want to thank all our members. As always, you are keeping Veritas alive. And after one year of anticipation, your wish has finally come true. Tonight's special guest is Jordan Maxwell. I have called this show Jordan Maxwell Uncensored. Why? Because what Jordan and I will discuss tonight, I don't think you've heard elsewhere. Let me share with you that due to health reasons, Jordan initially wanted to postpone the interview. After a year of waiting, I politely told him that all of you were anxiously awaiting and that I would not be able to interview him for a few weeks since my own schedule is full he actually went through with it not only did he go through with it he gave us one extra hour so this is a show that was not going to take place and instead it is a three hour commercial free interview now listen up at the end of the show I have included a bonus during the intermission Jordan and I were having a candid conversation I found his comments so revealing that I deemed it imperative to share them with you. It is an unedited portion of audio, so you can really experience a perspective from Jordan Maxwell's point of view and the sacrifices and suffering he has gone through as a real life truth seeker. If you want to listen to the full three hours plus the bonus, become a member now. For only $7 per month, you can take this and all our shows. Sixty-six in total so far. Get access to the Manticore forum and the Veritas chat room. Subscribing only takes a minute and you get immediate access. Get on over to our website VeritasShow.com and click on subscribe. Don't wait. Today's knowledge is tomorrow's history. And as I shared with you last week, I'm looking for a few web designers to create a new look for our website. To start, all you need is the main page template. I will give advertising and links in exchange for your work, and I will let uh, the audience decide which website is the winner. If you're interested, send me an email to mail at and type website contest in the subject. And now to some news courtesy of one of our volunteer contributors, Andre Heath, from the Alien Project. According to NASA, the 8.8 magnitude earthquake that rocked Chile and killed more than 700 people could have possibly shifted the Earth's axis and shortened our day. Ice deposits found at Moon's Pole. It is becoming quite clear that the process leading up to the revelation and full disclosure of the extraterrestrial presence is focused on water. Water is a fundamental requirement of living systems and constitutes a very important part of the conceptual framework of astrobiology, the science that examines the origins, evolution, and future of life in the universe. The first step in the process was NASA's announcement that a significant amount of water was found on the moon following the lacrosse bombing mission last year. According to NASA, the Lacrosse rocket had blasted a crater in the south pole of the lunar surface, creating a hole significant enough to generate plumes of lunar deposits that included at least 24 gallons of water. Today, a BBC news article indicates NASA's Mini-SAR radar experiment, in collaboration with India's Chandrayaan-1 lunar spacecraft, has discovered thick deposits of ice on the moon. For more news and updates visit our blog. Now, remember, if you are a blogger and discuss some of the topics we cover and are interested in contributing content to Veritas, send me an email to mail at veritasshow.com and write blogger in the subject. I will give you credit when your contributions are used. And before we go to Jordan Maxwell, let me share with you some highlights from the 2010 International UFO Congress in Laughlin, Nevada. I had a terrific time at the Congress and I also had the privilege of meeting many new friends and made many contacts that will help this show move forward. I want to thank Paula Harris for formally introducing Veritas and I to the world. I was able to speak for a few minutes in front of approximately 700 people present and live around the world. I also want to thank Jocelyn Buckner, one of our loyal Veritas members, for her assistance throughout the week. I was able to capture a few video interviews, and so far, I have uploaded two. You will see me on video for the first time. The first interview is with abductee and researcher Melinda Leslie, where we discuss covert abductions, or I call them mileaps or military abductions. In addition, Melinda will be on Veritas in the next few weeks, and one of her case participants, Niara Isley, will also have her own Veritas show the week after Melinda. You may have heard both of them on Coast to Coast during one show, but with us, we'll do two. There's too much information to cover in one show, so they both will get one show each. What these ladies have to say will keep you on the edge of your seat. I'm uploading these interviews slowly, as they are in high-quality video, and it takes time. In addition, I have also uploaded a video with a gentleman with the name of Chuck Wade who brought debris from a UFO crash in New Mexico, dated 1947. And it's not Roswell, it's another crash. Jocelyn Buckner, who is also an intuitive reader, was able to douse this material. Take a look at that video and see for yourself how the dowsing tool goes ballistic as it goes over each piece of strange metals. I will make these and more videos available to you at the Or forum. Last but not least, I want to say hello to my friend Ross Hensworth and his wife Penny. Ross is the presenter of the very popular English TV and radio show called Now That's Weird. We exchanged many ideas and will be mutually contributing very soon. We even did interviews with each other. Ross did one with me and I did one with Ross. I will also be uploading this interview shortly. So don't be surprised when you hear Ross Hensworth Contributing on Veritas and I will do the same for him on his show now. That's weird So go to the Manticore forum to watch these videos This is a new phase for Veritas and you will see me conduct more video interviews from this moment on Oh, and I finally met Ed Grimsley and had the pleasure of spending a couple of nights watching the night sky with him and a big group With his uh, night vision equipment. I still won't say that I actually saw a UFO But I can tell you that I did see a few questionable objects traversing the sky that did not look natural. I will have to get my own equipment so I can spend more time searching and bring a video of my findings to you. That's when I'll confirm it. I want to congratulate our veteran guest Jim Nichols for having won a few EB awards, the equivalent of an Oscar in the UFO community for his DVD discussing the Nazi UFO connection. And one last thing, congratulations to Cara Fay and Bradley Lockerman for the documentary, The Cyril Effect. If you don't know who John Cyril is, you will very soon. The documentary won various EBE awards, including popular vote. In other words, it was not the judges, but the total audience who voted for this great documentary. I saw it and cannot wait to meet this brave man who lost everything. He lost almost all his hearing when he was... A child, his mother, hid him as a child. His father abandoned him and the mother gave him away. He lived in foster homes and didn't have formal education. Nonetheless, John Searle is a genius and is the creator of a free energy system that not only produces free energy, but also anti-gravity. And he has proof of it. I saw it. He has been the victim of harassment attacks and many have tried to bribe him so that he can reveal the secrets. He lost his wife and his children because of this harassment. But John has been relentless. He has now moved to the United States from England and I will have the privilege to interview him in the next few days. Google John Cyril, and watch the YouTube intro to his documentary. You will absolutely love this man. He does not want this invention to be locked up forever that's why he has not accepted money from anyone and still has the main secrets in his brain i will not write them down so that someone can steal the technology that could benefit the entire planet for more updates and to watch my interviews once again head on over to the magic forum we are entering a new phase and i want you to be part of it thank you and now get ready to hear Jordan Maxwell, as you never heard him before, did you know the United States is owned by just a few number of people? If you are a United States citizen and carry a social security number, it gives the Federal Reserve collateralized value for your fruit and labor. Was slavery really abolished or transformed? Do you really know the reality in which you live, or are you aware we are characters of a script? that was not written by any of us? This and much more in a three-hour commercial-free interview. Jordan Maxwell Uncensored is coming up next. If you want to continue believing what you are taught and do not want your paradigms shattered, stop this audio now. If you want to wake up and face the reality, don't go anywhere. This is Mel Fabregas, and you're listening to Veritas. music you hear right here on The Veritas Show is supplied by the independent artists from Jamendo.com. If you hear a song you like, go over to our homepage, veritasshow.com, click on the guest, look up the song, and download it. You can even buy the group's CDs, in many cases, right there at Jamendo.com.
1: This is G. Edward Griffin. And you're listening to The Veritas Show.
0: Jordan Maxwell continues as a preeminent researcher and independent scholar in the field of occult and religious philosophy. His interest in these subjects began as far back as 1959. He served for three and a half years as a religion editor of Truth Seeker magazine, America's oldest freethought journal since 1873. His work exploring the hidden foundations of Western religions and secret societies creates enthusiastic responses from audiences around the world. He has conducted dozens of intensive seminars, hosted his own radio talk shows, appeared on more than 600 radio shows, and written, produced, and appeared in numerous television shows and documentaries, including three two-hour specials for the CBS TV network, as well as the internationally acclaimed five-part ancient mystery series, all devoted to understanding ancient religions and their pervasive influence on world affairs today. His work on the subject of secret societies, both ancient and modern, and their symbols, has fascinated audiences around the world for decades. Considering the rapidly moving events of today, and the very real part that hidden religious agendas play in our modern war-torn world, he feels these controversial subjects are not only interesting to explore, but too important to ignore. His extraordinary presentations include documents and photographs. Seldom seen elsewhere. And after a year of trying, he is here and it is a privilege and an honor for me to finally introduce you to Jordan Maxwell. Hello, Mr. Maxwell. Thank you for being on Veritas. How are you?
1: Well, very good. I appreciate your inviting me. And I know it's been kinda of difficult trying to catch up with me, but I haven't been well and I'm always on the phone and got a lot of people trying to I'm trying to contact and so I'm sorry for the inconvenience, but here we are, or at least we're here.
0: Not a problem. We made it happen, and we're going to make it shine. It is my pleasure. Hey, may I call you Jordan? Yes, sir, please. Thank you. Well, tonight, folks, I'm going to do something a bit different and yes, we'll dive right into the subject matter. But I really want all those people who have patiently waited this long to hear Jordan Maxwell on Very to know that I will try my best to ask all your questions. So tonight, I'll start by asking Jordan his take on a few current world events, and then we'll start with uh, your questions. So let's start, Jordan. Recently, Mahmoud Ahmadinejad, the Iranian president, said that on February the 11th, Iran will stun the West with a punch. Now. I believe we know he meant to say Iran is a nuclear state. What is your take on where this rhetoric
1: is going? Well, look, at from so many years I've been talking about uh, you know, corruption and government and that kind of thing. And I've really gotten totally away from concerning myself with governments anymore and with uh, the political situation. I've, I have become very apolitical. I, I really don't care what these people say. Uh, because as far as I'm concerned, it's all charade. It's it's all part of an uh, inside joke. And the joke is on the human race. And so uh, I'm not really concerned about any of this because I, I talked with uh, an official many, many years ago in the Democratic Party, very high up in the Democratic Party. And I remember a person told me that uh, what we have to do in the Democratic Party, we are told, is to always keep... Uh, some kind of a crisis that's coming so that the people will always be in fear and uh, some kind of a crisis is going to happen next week or next two weeks. Within two weeks, is going to be the end of the world or something. Uh, it's just good for business. you know. It's like a going out of business sale, and every, every month we have a going out of business sale. And it's just good for business. So I've come to the point where I'm just apolitical. I don't even care what these people talk about and what they're going to do because uh, I know that it's uh, the whole world is a stage and each must play his part. And so the whole thing is theatrical. The entire thing is a is a charade. And the people who are supposedly the most bitter enemies, you will find them uh, having dinner together and uh, behind the scenes are the best of friends in their particular Masonic lodge or their particular fraternal order. So I don't really put much uh, value in anything any politician or head of state says, especially heads of state. They, they, they talk to themselves more than they talk to anybody else. So I'm not really interested in, uh, in any of this political stuff that's going on right now. Uh, I, I already know that the situation on the earth, politically speaking, is so far out of control that uh, if someone were to say something of value, uh, you know they'll probably be killed or put in prison somewhere. So uh, I I just don't stay away from the political stuff. I mean, if you've got other questions that people want to ask, trying to ask them. Ask them. But uh, I don't really don't have much respect for uh, politicians or uh, used car salesmen or or lawyers. <laughs>
0: That's fine. That's fine. Uh, basically, I'm asking a few current world event questions on my own first. Uh, you remember. In December, I believe it was, the Norway Spiral, which later the mm. Russians said it was yeah. failed missile test. Do you have an opinion of what the symbology of that spiral, if any, was?
1: Well, of course, the spiral has always, as far back in history as we can go into the most ancient times, the spirals have always been used uh, in uh, you know, paintings on walls and carvings. So that spiral is a, is a very interesting symbol. Uh, I don't believe for a minute it was anything to do with a rocket. No, that has nothing to do with anything like that. It was purposely done, um, and it could actually have something to do, it wouldn't surprise me if it had something to do with HARP, because I heard that there was some kind of a HARP establishment right there, uh, near where that happened. And uh, maybe there was a symbolic thing for uh, Obama, uh, because that's the way the Illuminati operate. They they cause major things to happen on a particular moment, at a particular time, for a symbolic gesture, you know. And they orchestrate, like I said, the whole world's a stage. And uh, and they orchestrate all kinds of high-tech stuff on the Earth for a reason. So, I mean, earthquakes and hurricanes can be caused by uh, right. ELF, you know, so... I don't know what was going on there, but it was man made There's no doubt about that, and whatever it was, it was probably a symbol to to show the world something and as I said, spirals are very important in the ancient world i mean they They symbolize um, the spiral of time through eternity. There's spirals that symbolize religious ideas and concepts, so I mean who knows? As far as I'm concerned, I, I have no idea for sure, because nobody ever tells anybody anything from the inside. So. And speaking,
0: speaking of uh, harp, the Haiti earthquake, we've been discussing all the possibilities in the past few shows. Yeah, yeah. Former President Clinton removed President Jean-Bertrand Aristide first, then restored him to power, then President Bush 43 removed him again, now <laughs> the earthquake. Since you look at things beyond what the mainstream media appellee feeds us, what do you see developing in Haiti?
1: Well, first of all, uh, that's uh, after Katrina. There was a second, uh, tarni- uh, second hurricane, and uh, on the on the news, and I've, I pulled it off and saved it on my computer. Uh, I think it was CNN or one of those uh, news networks had pictures from satellite of the second hur- uh, of the second uh, storm, and in the in the center of the eye of that storm was a cloud uh, formation. And the cloud formation, I think it's on my website, um, was an absolutely flawless, perfect two, the number two, uh, inside the eye, where I wouldn't think that there would be any cloud formations in an eye of a hurricane, but there was a two made up of clouds. And so uh, I know about, I, I was very close friends with, Tom Bearden, Colonel Tom Bearden, and and Bob Beck, and uh, all those guys that were working on ELF and the woodpecker effect, etc. And I remember hearing years ago how uh, Tesla had already developed the technology and the knowledge about how to manipulate weather. So there's no doubt in my mind that they can cause horrible uh, hurricanes, earthquakes, whatever, uh, on the earth anywhere. So it wouldn't surprise me. I'm not privy to any, you know, any particular knowledge about it. But when it happened, I thought to myself, you know, it's probably a technical reason why they decided to hit uh, hit them with that, and um, it's probably our technology, it's Tesla technology. So.
0: See that's the part that doesn't surprise me. No, me either. The, the technology that may have been used, but the reason for for using Haiti now as a new base is what everybody's asking me about. Any, any suspicion as to why we all are all of a sudden sending thousands of troops there?
1: Well, you know that whole area from Puerto Rico, uh, 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 Puerto Rico, and that whole little area uh, in the in the uh, Caribbean, Atlantic, and the Caribbean. Uh, was the uh, home, the absolute home of the Knights Templars, who we call the Pirates of the Caribbean. The Pirates of the Caribbean were actually the Masonic Order of Knights Templars. And that's why um, the uh, Federal Reserve and the Internal Revenue are home-officed in In Puerto Puerto Rico. Rico. In Puerto Rico, yes. Their home office is there because they are the Pirates of the Caribbean. And, uh, and so these, these great institutions of finance in America and around the world, a home office in the Caribbean. And so maybe there's some kind of a falling out among the powers that be about who's running things in the Caribbean. And uh, so it might have something to do with, and in, I've in, in, in seen battles going on there.
0: I'm so but glad I, you mentioned this because I grew up in Puerto Rico, so I know that the IRS is headquartered there, and people just don't believe that.
1: Oh yeah, and and, and, uh, and the symbolism for in the flag and in the, in the state of arms, the state arms of Puerto Rico, uh, are very very telling. They have uh, they have Masonic uh, symbols in their flag, on the flag, and in their uh, state arms. And when, you, and when you go back to the history of Puerto Rico it was actually founded by the Knights Templars, Masonic Order and, uh, and they became known as the Pirates of the Caribbean and so they were the pirates that were robbing on the high seas which uh, gives us our whole concept of Maritime Admiralty Law the law of the high seas so there's a, there's a whole world of hidden stuff uh, you know, concerning banking and the bank uh, foundations in the Caribbean. Yeah. So, big story.
0: Yes, and uh, let me start with, uh, with the audience questions. And these are coming from all over the world. You're really going to enjoy them. What is the difference between a British man and an English man, specifically?
1: Well, English is just a bloodline. It's, a, it's a, you know, tracing a particular bloodline in Europe, But British comes from the word bereth, B-R-E-T-H. Bereth is a contract or a covenant in Hebrew. So a bereth is a contract. And ish, I-S-H, in Hebrew is either a man or men, can be singular or plural. So when you put bereth and ish together, it becomes British. And British simply means the covenant man or men of the covenant or men of the contract. And this is why today uh, in Western civilization and commerce and maritime law, you have to sign contracts, men of the contract. And it implies that there's a contract between, uh, between parties for commerce. But the whole idea of the whole, uh, the whole concept of the contract goes back to a contract between uh, Masonic orders, between God and man. Uh, contracts are a very ancient idea. And so the British, you well, know, we've been given this story for years about the lost tribes of Israel and that Britain and America are the Ephraim and Manasseh, which gives us the lost tribes of Israel, and Israel was God's chosen people, and they had a contract with God, so they were the British Um All of that goes back to British Israel World Federation and and the contracts with God and the contracts in commerce. You might want to do some research on the web on the subject of British Israel World Federation and look into that whole concept of of contracts in commerce and, and contracts between God and man to rule the world. Very interesting stuff.
0: What do you know of the Constitution being converted to a trust so that the powers that be could change laws behind closed doors?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, What a, what a subject that is, yeah. the uh, There's a, actually now a lot of information on that now out on the web and a lot of people talking about it. I started talking about it quite a few years ago when I first heard it from experts. I, I again, on this subject and virtually everything else I would talk about, I'm not the world's foremost authority on anything. But what I bring to the table ever is just I've been in the company of uh, experts. So I like to say I'm not an expert on anything, but I know the people who are. And I've been in their company, and I've sat for hours and hours over years of listening to uh, really brilliant people explaining Constitution, explaining the corporation the privately owned corporation called United States as opposed to the Republic of the United States of America, which has nothing to do with the corporation. And all of that happened right about 1868 when the Republic was finally dissolved. It started to be dissolved and was heading for real trouble in 1848 with the coming of the uh, what we call today the, the Communist Party. 1848, it was called the League of Just Men. And the League of Just Men were a group in New York and in London who came together to formulate an idea to socialize the whole world. And they called it the League of Just Men, uh, sounding something like the uh, the League of uh, Ex- Extraordinary Gentlemen with Sean Connery. Right. And in that movie, they were all masons. But the League of Just Men became known as the League of Communists. And in 1848, 1848 they came out with their Communist um, Manifesto to overthrow all legitimate governments. And uh, and that was given birth to, that whole idea of communism was given birth to in New York and London. So it doesn't surprise me now that uh, what is going on uh, nationally in our country Uh, the corporation has taken over the way they did it. They had a civil war caused by the League of Just Men and uh, the bankers in Europe. And so after our civil war, the whole idea of the civil war was, you know, the bottom line was to break up and destroy uh, the United States uh, of America Republic. And, it didn't destroy it off the earth, but it did destroy the the, the the superstructure of what was originally put there by the founding fathers, so to speak. And so after 1868, the United States of America as a republic no longer existed. It became a corporation. Uh, a corporation took over. And uh, from what I have heard from the experts is that the the two are still today... Legitimately empower the the original Constitution for the Republic is still a legitimate document. It is still in operation today uh, if you know how to access it. But if you are a citizen of the United States, then you have no access to the Constitution or the Bill of Rights by law. Uh, it's very cleverly done, but people want to talk about the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. You have no Bill of Rights or constitution if you are a citizen of the United States. That's the law. If you go back and read the court cases, starting back in 1868 to um, uh, probably right around 1900, there were many court cases that clarified that. And so uh, I've got enormous amounts of material stored um, you know, on hard copies and in folders of all the documentation on that, how we were uh, very cleverly uh, taken out of the Constitutional Republic and quietly slipped into a corporate state in 1868 after the Civil War. Uh, And there's something on my website. uh, If you go on my website to uh, links and scroll down in the links, you come to government and commerce commerce and government and the first two uh entries on the commerce and government are my links one is usa versus u.s. or maybe u.s. versus usa but there's two of them one part one and part two and that the, that website I found to be the most interesting of all the hundreds of websites out there dealing with this subject. All you've got to do to look at and to really get into this subject is just go on the web and put in the word commerce game. Commerce game and all kinds of... of uh, of websites will pop up explaining the eighteen sixty eight corporation how it was founded, what the difference between the united States and the United States of america is, and it's all right there and again, as I said, go on my website and scroll down to the uh go to the link scroll down to commerce and government and i've got a whole i've got about maybe six or seven uh websites on the commerce game on u s versus u s a and it's all right there. But I would suggest you go through that very first one because that is filled with all that information, documents, uh, how it happened, explains it step by step. So it's a very, very big story. And it's not a story that I am particularly interested in. It's uh, My interest in that was many years ago when I began to here, the the experts explaining this, it answers a lot of questions that I had in my mind about biblical things which I have been looking at, and why certain uh, political movements such as Nazism, Communism, uh, Fascism, why these movements were being financed out of London and New York. But once you understand the, the corporation called United States as a privately owned operation, and they have a worldwide agenda and they have now by since eighteen sixty eight they have now confiscated uh the monies of the world, the the uh the raw materials of the world, so they have the wherewithal to do anything they want to rape the whole human race because We've been sleep, asleep and watching basketball so long that we didn't realize that these people were very, very clever. And they have been putting together their, their power base.
0: And for, for more information on this, I'm going to, to Jordan Maxwell's website. Also, if you folks refer to my interview with Ralph Epperson from last year, we talk a lot about this, the fact that you don't need to have a Social Security card. And when you volunteer to get it, you immediately become a citizen of the United States, not of the Republic of the United States of America. But that's a different story.
1: But but he is very good. Yes, I, I really like his work. He's very yes.
0: Good. He's going to be happy to hear you said that, uh, Jordan. Is it true, and could you please comment on or or add to this, that it was Attorney General under 33rd Degree Freemason Franklin Roosevelt, who with the stroke of a pen created the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the FBI, run by 33rd Degree Freemason J. Edgar Hoover?
1: Uh, I'm aware that uh, I've heard experts talk about this, that the Federal Reserve and the FBI... The CIA and a couple of other major, supposedly government agencies, have no long have never had a commission from the legitimate de jure government to be founded. The, the FBI was not a, uh, a de jure, legitimately uh, commissioned uh, part of government. It was founded. Uh, in a private way, it was not actually a government agency at first, and today is in fact not a government agency, although it is a part of the United States corporation agency it is not part of the uh original United States of America uh constitutional republic part of that that government at all. So what we have is two different governments operating at the same time. You have the original government and the eighteen sixty eight corporation and they're so blended together like a soup you will never know which one you're dealing with. But you can pretty well understand that ninety nine percent of everything you call government and dealing with government is the corporation now. But if you're extraordinarily bright and very clever and have spent many years studying the subject you can access the original constitution and have the Bill of Rights kick in to protect you because they still honor that. It's still to be honored but uh but it's you know the ancient Romans had a maxim of law, very interesting the Romans and I'm paraphrasing this, but the Romans had a maximum of law that said um uh, a reasonable belief is to be followed as law." A reasonable custom is to be followed as law, meaning if you can get enough people believing that certain things are right, and eventually over the years it becomes a custom of the people uh, to believe a certain thing, uh, believe something and in, in, in mass, even though it's not written down in law, it should be, if it's reasonable, at least respected as law. So even though the FBI may not be in fact a legitimate de jure part of government, but it's been operating for so many years under the under the under the color of government, that today it could be uh, argued in court that you should follow it as a part of the law. Why it doesn't have to be a part. It doesn't have to be on in law, founded in the law. But it is accepted today, as the Romans said, anything which is reasonable that's been working for so many years, then just accept it as the law. And so that's what we are doing. We're just accepting so much today as being the United States of America law, where it's not a law. They never were founded correctly.
0: The the FBI, the IRS, and the ADL, the Anti-Defamation League, can we say that these are the political Gestapo for the Illuminati in the United States?
1: Well, you know what? Uh, there's a scripture in the Bible that has Jesus saying, uh, by their fruits you shall know them. Yes. And I have always, uh, bu- I've always used that as a, as a measuring. By their fruits. What is the fruitage? Uh, what do these organizations ultimately bring to America? What do they ultimately bring to your human life on the earth? Control. And it's Control. Well, then that should answer that. By their fruits, you shall know them.
0: Now this one. Mr. Maxwell, thank you for a lifetime of hard work and courage. At the end of your interview with Bill and Kerry from Project Camelot, which gave me a slightly different slang on things, you said basically, I paraphrase, quote, that in your opinion the human race will not fare well against its present adversary, unquote. Do you have any information that you are willing to share as to The identity of this adversary, even just a clue or two, would be helpful. Please be more specific about your suspicions. Thank you.
1: Well, first of all, I view, uh, well, there's so much to be said on that. Uh, I view the whole human race as one entity. Uh, In the first chapter of um, uh, Albert Pike's book, uh, Morals and Dogma, the Albert Pike book morals and dogma there's a quote I think it's in the very first chapter um, where he says that uh, that politicians and the people who run the planet should view the human race as one person because all men all men are men all women are women all children are children so when you're dealing with the human race just deal with it as one thing the human race And therefore, you can control one person. You can end up controlling the whole earth. And so, go back over your question again.
0: Sure. Uh, Basically, he wants to know who is the adversary that you refer to.
1: Oh, okay. So, uh, I know that there's probably many powerful organizations in the world, but there are fraternal orders that connect all of these organizations, and they they all act and orchestration, and there was a point I wanted to make about that. Oh, I remember. Um, I I view the whole human race, and I was thinking that on that uh, on that interview, that the human race, in my view, is like the like the herds of animals out on the Serengeti plains of Africa, and the, they're out there by the thousands, and they're innocent. They're just doing what animals do. They're feeding their young. They're grazing. They're just living their lives. They have no idea where they are. They have no idea what they're doing. They just do what they do. And while the lions are organized, there's only a few of them. There's only a couple of lions, but they are highly organized. And they're very quiet and stealth, And they're slipping up on the herd very quietly. And that's the way I view the whole human race, as being uh, stalked by some very vicious, animalistic humans who couldn't care less about you or your family. And so uh, I believe that these people who are running the planet, and it's just my, just my thinking, but I think the people who are running this planet are not human. I have always felt that. For many years I've felt that they're just not human. Which takes us into a whole new story about the extraterrestrial presence on the Earth, and if there is an extraterrestrial presence, then maybe that's what's really going on, is that we're being manipulated by uh, far, far more uh, powerful and uh, divinely ordained uh, entities who have come here from somewhere else. That wouldn't surprise me at all.
0: Does that render us uh, a lab, a laboratory of these entities?
1: Exactly. That's it. precisely what it would render us as nothing more than a, an experiment. Uh, you know, in Zachariah Sitchin's work on that subject and others on that subject, uh, I've been looking at that for many years. Um, I believe that we are someone else's experiment. Uh, one of the first books that got me started back in 1959 on this subject, on my subjects generally, was a book called uh, The Complete Works of Charles Fort. And in that book, Charles Fort, uh, which you can still get today uh, in any good bookstore, The Complete Works of Charles Fort, F-O-R-T, he said that he believed that we, as a human race, were somebody else's experiment, and whoever they are who have created us, are manipulating us, playing us for fools, giving us our religions, our philosophies, our technology, and they are uh, bringing us along according to their agenda for the human race, what, who we are supposed to be, and what we're supposed to accomplish for our creators. And in point of fact, if you go to the Bible in Genesis 1, uh, it's, a mis- it's a mistranslation, um, and I've sat and talked with rabbis about this subject for many years, because in Genesis 1, one it says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But that's not what it says in the original. Uh, in the original language, is, it says basically in the beginning, the Elohim created the, the uh, heavens and the earth. Well, Elohim is plural. More than one. So it would be in the beginning, the gods created the heavens and the earth. Well, who are the gods? And what are you talking about? And then when it talks about how the human race was created, Adam and Eve, it says that the gods said, come let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Who's us and our? And so when you start breaking this stuff down and and finding out what the words mean, you you find out that uh, the Bible doesn't say God created man. I remember Rabbi Marvin Antelman, back in the late 60s, and I used to sit and talk for hours, and he was in Newton, Massachusetts. And I asked him about this, and he said, well, nowhere does it say that God made man, expressly that God made man. What it's actually saying in the Bible is that someone has recreated us. Uh, Adam and Eve were not the first uh, humans on the earth, even in the old Jewish system of of theology, that that was understood, because Adam and Eve represented uh, a remaking of the creature man, and so he says, so when you read Genesis 128, it doesn't say God created man, it says come let us make man in our image after our likeness not let us make man, he's already here, but let us make man in our image, let us uh, intervene in his natural evolution. Let us put some of our DNA uh-huh. into him. And let us make man now in our image, up to our likeness. And then later on it says in the Bible, now man has become as one of us, knowing good and evil. And now man is doing things like us, like we do. Even in Islam, uh, all through the Quran, talks uh, when God is talking to man, It's we. We have told you this. We have done that. We have said this. We have done... All through the Quran is we. And nobody seems to question, it never even occurred to anybody to question, what is God, we? Unless, of course, you go back to the original word Elohim, which is plural, more than one. Now, on this subject, we should also, I would like to also say that when we hear that the Jews or the Hebrews were the first uh, monotheistic religion. That is totally incorrect. Anyone who has studied history knows better than that. Uh, the Hebrews were not, and still today, are not a monotheistic religion. It's a trick. Now, here's the way the trick is played. We, we in Christianity thinks that they have the worship of one God, but we are told in Christianity and Judaism that, that uh, they are the worshippers of one God. No, it is not monotheistic. Look up the word. It's H-E-N-O. H-E-N-O. Heno. Heno-theistic. Heno-theistic. Both Christians and Jews are henotheistic, not monotheistic, which means, and henotheistic means to pick one out of many. So the idea being is that there are many gods, but you picked one out of the many. And so therefore, you are the worshippers of one god, but there was a whole bunch of them there. But you were the worshipper of one god. And so when Christians think of God as one almighty, divine, all all uh, all-encompassing, divine spirit over the whole universe, that's a misconception. There's a misconception and a misunderstanding of the words in the Bible. Uh, actually, the Hebrews and Christians are henotheistic, meaning that they have picked one God out of many. Uh, and Yahweh was the one God out of the many gods. As a matter of fact, in our English language, when you use the word God, you can trace that back to a, a Latin word for God was Dios. Dios, right. And Dios, yes, and Dios uh, the Latin dictionary will tell you it comes directly from a Greek god named Zeus. Huh. So translating Zeus uh, from Greek into, uh, into Latin is Dios, and Dios into English is God. So when Christians and Jews are talking about God, they're talking about Zeus.
0: One of them, which is one of the gods.
1: One of the gods. Huh. That's one. But there are other gods. Right. And so, therefore, you were a worshiper of one God. Yeah, but there were ten others you didn't worship. What
0: you're saying is what Sakara Sitchin says, uh, you know, that the Anunnaki came here and altered uh, our DNA. In other words, we were not created; we were here. There was a race of us, perhaps you can call it the Neanderthals, if you'd like. But they came here, they improved, if you will, our DNA, tinkered with it, so that we could become Homo sapiens sapiens, who we are today. Is that correct?
1: Exactly. That's exactly right, and that's what I totally believe. Okay. Because I have heard way too many intelligent writers authors researchers lecturers and teachers around the world and both theology philosophy religion and government and they're all saying this behind the scenes that they that they believe that we are nothing more than somebody else's experiment and that when you go out and look at the stars at night you need to understand there's life out there that that been that's been out there a long time before this earth was ever created and um Somebody owns us, and consequently, somebody can control us if they own us. They're smarter than we are. We look like them. So I, when I hear people, uh, just ordinary people, saying that they uh, were abducted, and, and in their abductions by aliens, they were confronted by men uh, that looked like us, uh, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, that's possible, because the Bible says we are made in their image and likeness. Right. So, we look like them. No, no. They they say, well, they look like us. No, no. We We look look like like them. Right, right. Correctly. Because uh, they are the ones who created you. uh, And that's why I I was in business with Zacharias Sitchum for quite a few years. And so I had an opportunity to travel with him and talk with him extensively. And uh, there's just an awful lot of proof. Uh, not only just in the Sumerian, but all over the world. The Egyptians and the Babylonians and all the ancient peoples of the world, even including the Native Americans, have their stories about the the star people who came here and created us. And another thing in relation to that subject, because I don't think the moon is indigenous to our solar system. Uh Tell tell me more, tell me more. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure that it was brought here. And I've sat and talked with, with uh, scientists and physicists from uh, NASA. I, and I have some very close personal friends who are top-of-the-line physicists at NASA. And they're telling me uh, off the cuff that, uh, that the moon is obviously uh, not from our solar system to start with. Second, it was probably towed here. Third, it's most likely, uh, because of all the science around the moon, uh, once you start studying it like they do, uh, that the moon is hollow and that all the planets in our solar system are probably hollow mm-hmm. at the core. Um, not hollow alike, like the hollow Earth theory, but at the core would be hollow because of the science and the physics of how the planets react to each other. They would have to be hollow at the core. And so the Earth, I mean, so the moon is most likely hollow. And it may have a, uh, a metal superstructure so that it's an artificial structure that's been towed here. And there's a lot of good reasons to think that might be true because I've talked to Native Americans uh, from the Lakota tribe and from the, uh, the different tribes that I've been uh, involved with. And they're telling me that uh, in their philosophy, uh, the Native Americans believe that there was a time when there was no moon and that the moon was brought here by our creators. And I thought when I was hearing this, well, I've heard this before, but I heard it from NASA. And so I think there may very very well be something to that, because the moon is is an exact size that it has to be to be where it is, because if it was any closer, it would crash into the earth. If it was any further, it it would drift off in its own orbit and be gone. And on a, on a total eclipse, it's the exact perfect size to move in front of the sun for us to have a total uh, eclipse of the sun. And I've sat with Richard Hoagland for hours in private dinners and talked with him and other scientists about why the moon is here. And come to find out, I'd never heard this, but the moon is required for human life to exist. It balances out electrically or some kind of a way uh, our biological presence on the earth and that we really could not be here if it were not for the moon because the moon does something for us humans and probably for other life forms. And so it was brought here when somebody was planning on creating us, it was brought here to enhance their experiment to uh, because they realized whoever it was the less smarter than we are. And they realized that in order to, for human life to be able to regenerate, they're going to need some kind of an electrical balance or something in science. And so they brought us the moon. And, of course, the moon is just filled with craters. It looks like Vietnam. It looks like it's been um, battered by, uh, by, by uh, you know, uh, comets and meteorites. Uh, where does all that come from? I mean we've been here a few times on the earth but the moon is blown apart on all the moon everywhere is just nothing but craters how did that happen in our solar system
0: well you mentioned the 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 the, 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 hollow, the hollow theory I just recently yeah. had, first of all, I had Sakare Sitchin a, a couple of months ago. And hello, Sakare. He's going to be with me again in the near future to talk about the Bible. Uh, Richard Hoagland also. And Brooks Acnew, Dr. Brooks Acknew, who was with me a few days ago. And we talked about this. He said uh-huh. that when the uh, the lunar module left the moon, it ejected their aluminum tank.
1: Sure, and it, bow- and it, and it rung like, like a bell. Like a
0: bell. And then on Earth... And this is, there's proof out there. This is not conspiracy. When there's a large earthquake, the earth rings like a bell. And the only way That's you can right. have that is if it's hollow. That's right. That's my point. So let me proceed to, with another question. Jordan, I've been following your work for some years now and find it very interesting and insightful. That said, I've always found your embracing of the works of Madame Blavatsky quite curious. You've stated you have all her works inside her book, Isis on Veil, Part 2, and her best and your favorite. And indeed, some of your work seems to correlate with her teachings of theosophy. My question is, how much of her teachings influence your work? And would you consider yourself a follower of theosophy as she describes it? Thank you.
1: Okay, uh, good question. I'm being very honest with you and upfront with you. Uh, Her work has probably not influenced me at all, I would say, if anything, about 1%. But I have always appreciated people who do deep study on subjects. Uh, Manly Palmer Hall was one of my dearest friends, a brilliant man, intellectually astute and brilliant man on philosophies of the world, religions of the world. He had no particular creed uh, that he was pushing. But uh, but an extraordinarily brilliant man, writing and speaking on subjects uh, which all the human race should be aware of. So when I came across the work of Helena Blavatsky, uh, she was not the only one. At the same time, I was reading and equally as influenced by the Bhagavad Gita, the Vedas, and the Upanishads, and the Rig At the same time, I was fascinated with the works of other German philosophers. French philosophers, Masonic philosophers which I I have enormous amounts of material on the Masonic philosophies around the globe and so at that particular time when I mentioned that um, I was thinking something in relation to the maybe the question that was asked and I was thinking of something she said and I appreciated uh, all of her work. I do not consider her to be a fool or demonic or, or evil. Uh, she was a woman, a very interesting woman who traveled the world and had and had something that unfortunately we don't have anymore, and that was an open mind and intellectually honest to read and study and question uh, everything around her. And I admire that in anyone, anyone who has an open mind and reads and studies and questions uh, great things uh, you know, and, and trying to get to the great truths of the universe, I have an, uh, an admiration for, and I read their work. It doesn't mean I believe everything they found out, or whatever it is they believe, but it, it certainly hope it helps. When you have people like Blavatsky uh, and um, the great philosophers from Plato and Aristotle, I've read many of these. And it just helps me to keep my mind open. But in point of fact, too, with your question, uh, I would say she has influenced me uh, probably less than one percent. It's just that I happen to uh, use her as an example once. If anyone has, if anyone's really influenced me, I would say uh, mainly Parma Hall, because I believe. Uh, I mean, I've only been looking at this kind of information for 48 years, and my detractors haven't looked at it for 48 minutes. Right. But I believe that Manley Palmer Hall was one of the most incredible humans that ever walked the earth in any age, ever. And when you read his, uh, I don't know, 68 books and hundreds of of, uh, of lectures, uh, written lectures, plus the thousands and thousands of hours of lectures on every subject that is uh, that is you know that the human mind could come up with, and he never once promoted any particular belief system, never had his own personal uh, view on anything, but if you listen to the man and have an open mind and uh, and are intellectually honest, you have to agree this is a phenomenally brilliant and fascinating uh, man who had mastered all of the occult sciences, all of the religions of the world, all the philosophies of the world, and was merely trying to explain to we humans, we people, how these things work, what, do, what is Buddhism, what is Hinduism, where did this uh, Shinto religion come from, what is uh, Christianity. Where does the Bible come from? That's all he did, was explain all the ancient mysteries of the world and where these things came from, and then would advise you advise you to go out and study whatever it is that happens to interest you. Well, when I find people saying that somebody, someone like that is worshipping the devil... I know for a, for a fact that this is ludicrous because the very word devil is simply putting a D in front of the word evil or taking an O out of the, uh, out of the word good and it becomes God because the same root word for God is the same root word for good. So take an O out of, uh, out of good becomes God because God is good and put a D in front of the word evil and becomes devil. It's a, it's a use of words and terms, and people who are highly educated and intellectually astute know that uh, you cannot brush with a wide brush and say that somebody is worshipping the devil because he's smarter than you are, because he's far more educated and intellectually enlightened than you are, and therefore the only way to handle his brilliance is to call him a worker of the devil, and now you feel much better about it because you don't have to think anymore. No, no, I know people all over the world who call themselves religions, religious, who cannot hold a candle to the intellectual esteem of some great writers and researchers, and so I have the highest of respect for people who do their homework. I learn from people. Uh, like manly people, um, manly people as for one. There are many, many good people on the earth who have educated the the human family. That's what I want to do.
0: And I think it's very important to to express the fact and to emphasize that just because we study people that we may not agree with does not mean that, folks, we have to be exposed to every perspective in order to know what the other side is thinking. Well, of course. So now, another question, does the quote-unquote, Hawk Ring Society have any connection to the early banking merchants of Venice in the 16th century to modern day? Furthermore, does this society have a historical connection to all the military institutions today?
1: The name of that society was the Hawk Ring? Hawk
0: Ring Society, yes.
1: You know what? I've never heard of that. I'll have to do some research on that. I know that whole black, that whole black nobility coming out of uh, Venice, uh, is a very very powerful story about how Europe was being manipulated by those uh, merchant bankers. Uh, I remember as a kid, m- my family used to have blinds on the window. They were called Venetian blinds. Yes, and uh, and the implication is, is but one flip of the wrist, and you cut off all light into the room. Then and, uh, and so, you are now covering yourself with a Venetian blind. Uh, So yeah, I know Venice has been very important, and uh, when you're talking Venice, you're talking Italy, and ultimately you're talking the papacy, you're talking about uh, the divine right of kings, the financing of the Vatican, and ultimately today, the financing and manipulation of world finance throughout Europe, and whoever controls Europe has dominated, you know, uh, well, let me go back and say this, that for 2,700 years, Rome, under the Caesars in the beginning, Rome has dominated Europe. And so today, when we have uh, kings and rulers and princes and and uh, officials who rule Europe by divine right, and the Queen of England rules by divine right, and all the different kings and princes, what are you talking about? What you know define your terms when you say the king of england rules by divine right what are you talking about first of all the very word divine which we today re, re, uh, you know think about in relation to god actually goes back to the grapes uh and the and the chalice and the holy grail because the holy grail was the cup of christ and what do you have cups for if it isn't to put the uh, liquid in so In the ancient world, a grail was a cup, and you pour into the cup wine. And so in the Catholic Church has a celebration at their Mass where the drinking of the wine and the eating of the flesh of the God. And so when you're drinking of the wine, wine comes from grapes. Where do grapes come from? They come from divine. Uh And that's where we get the word divine, because that's where the grapes come from is from the divine, from divine. So, you know. So my feeling is, rather than uh, condemn someone for something you think that they're worshiping the devil, no, they may be intellectually superior to you in that they have an open mind and have studied, and universities, read books, traveled, and intellectually understand that there's a far, far bigger story when it comes to religion, theology, God. And the world. Then, uh, how, how does uh, how does Shakespeare say it? There are many more things in heaven and earth than are dreamt of in your philosophy. Right. Well, I want to tell you something. I've been around the world many times, and I have seen things with my own eyes, and experienced things in my life, and, found, and had knowledge given to me that absolutely blows my mind. How much people don't know, and and that's been my big crusade. And I go out and public and say, I'm not the world's foremost authority on anything, but I want to bring to my fellow man a whole new renaissance of thinking, an intellectually freedom to think and to question, to research, because if you go back into history and look at the uh, what happened to Europe under the divine right of kings you will find that the Vatican was killing hundreds of thousands of people, murdering people, cutting their heads off, pouring lead into the face of children while their parents watched uh, to, to break the back of the human race to cause people to get on their knees and crawl to the emperors of Europe. And then there was the Counter-Reformation with the Jesuits who came in and murdered people everywhere. We, we've got stories coming out of Central and South America, Mexico, of what the Spanish did to the indigenous people of South America. While well, they were doing that in Europe for a 1,000 years. So Rome has dominated Europe for 2,700 years, first under the Caesars, and then with the coming of the last 1,680 years under the Vatican. And so, therefore, any, any king, ruler, or prince who would proclaim himself ruling by divine right is doing it at the behest of the pope. He's the one that represents God, which is simply dog spelled backwards. That's why you have church dogma. Huh. People need to awaken to the fact that the whole world is, is run by people who are far superior and far more demonic and depraved than you have ever suspected And they're playing you for a fool by using words and terms and symbols and and catchphrases. And they have built up banks, institutions of higher learning, uh, educational systems, governmental systems. All of this whole Western civilization is a sham. It's been developed by secret societies, fraternal orders. I was talking about this stuff back in 1960. I was giving lectures in downtown Los Angeles in '63 when Kennedy was assassinated. I was on my way downtown to give a lecture on secret societies in the church and when when John Kennedy was assassinated. So there's one subject I know, and that is how world governments, banks, churches, institutions, how the entire superstructure of Western civilization is a construct that was put together a long time ago by very powerful and wealthy people, and we were born into this system, and so many of us just bought into it and have no idea in the world. And again, I would caution everyone that your decisions in life are only as good as your information. And if you haven't done your homework and figured out who's running this planet and who prints your money and how this government really operates, and how your church or your synagogue really operates, and where are these words and terms that are used in government and finance and commerce and churches and religion, where all this stuff came from, then you better go back before you condemn anybody and start waking up and doing some reading and studying and educate yourself so that you don't sound like a fool when you're talking before intelligent people. Know what you're talking about. The Bible, as uh, the Bible is filled with admonitions of be able to uh, to represent your faith intelligently, be able to explain what it is you believe, and, and be able to do it with intelligence, so that wise and intelligent people will show respect for your faith and for your God if you sound like you might uh, be, uh, halfway be educated, you know. So that's why, as much as I abhor the church today on the earth. I abhor the church. I abhor everything it stands for. But I have the highest of respect and admiration for the Bible and for the concept of God, for the idea that there is a higher divine presence in the universe, so to speak. Of that, I have no problem with. I have the highest of admiration for whoever it is that has created the universe, created us, and so I don't have any problem with the idea of God and, and theology, but I abhor what we call today the, the church. It is a monstrosity. All you have to do is if you've got any intelligence at all, if you have any self-respect at all, turn on TBN and watch people spitting on themselves and falling on the stage, and you will see thousands and thousands of people paying $50 to $100 for a seat to, to watch a show. I mean, that's what the word, look at, God comes, our word God comes from a Greek word, theo. Theo or the, T-H-E or T H E O. Theo in Greek was God. So the study of God is called ology, theology. And that's where we get our word theater, comes from theo or theology, theater. So in the ancient Greek world, they had what they called a Greek uh, the Greek's called the God Show. You go in, sit down and in the in the pew, and pay money and watch the God Show, the theater. So today, that's what religion is. It's a theater. It's a show. You go and sit down, pay money, and watch the show, and it looks very, very holy and reverent. It makes you feel good all over. And you come out equally as ignorant as when you went in. And 48 years later, you're still going to the same God show and cannot answer a question intelligently. You've done no research. You can't read. You've never thought about anything. You can't answer any question concerning your faith. And so when someone who has spent 48 years, not in your church, but in studying theology, religion, philosophy, commerce, world government, is confronting you with questions, you immediately call that person demonic and depraved and he must be working for the devil. I'm just saying that if America is going to continue to exist and the human race progress and become something of value, we're going to have to get rid of all this silly, nonsensical religion and get back to true spirituality. And we have, to, we
0: have to take a quick break so you can recalibrate on your side. But let me just say this, uh, Jordan. I'm going to say this in the most complimentary way, that it must be difficult being you. And I say that because if we live in a reality that it's not our reality, not that many people know, and you do. And it must be very difficult to know the real meaning of everything that surrounds you. But when we come back, folks, I want to tell you something that somebody I know and trust told me. The person will remain nameless for security purposes, but I'm gonna tell you anyway. And I wanna see if Jordan knows about this, but many people know that in the Islamic, uh, Islam, you have the, the virgins, and if you do a good deed, you get a virgin, and if you die for, for, for the religion, you get a limited number of virgins. Well, that may not be necessarily true. It may be a different meaning that the powers that be don't want you to know. So when we come back, I'll tell you what I've heard. And I want to know if Jordan knows about this. What a fascinating man. What a fascinating uh, program. Folks, don't go anywhere. Jordan, how do we get in touch with your work, your website?
1: Uh, just jordanmaxwell.com. Jordan, like the, like the river Jordan, uh, J-O-R-D-A-N, maxwell.com
0: uh, and we have a link on our website as well folks don't go anywhere we'll be right back with Jordan Maxwell this is Mel Fabregas, and you're listening to Veritas don't go anywhere thank you very much for listening we're going to talk more with Jordan Maxwell in our members section head on over to our website veritasshow.com, click on subscribe and join us in the members area to tune in or download the second part of this great show which still has two more hours to go a bonus audio clip at the end of the show recorded during a conversation Jordan and I had during the intermission. If you don't know Jordan's personal story and what he has gone through during his life crusade you have to listen. Get ready to be awakened even more. We'll take a short break, listen to some music and we'll be right back with two more hours of Uninterrupted Commercial Free of Jordan Maxwell. Don't go anywhere.
1: This is Ralph Epperson, and you are listening to The Veritas Show.